0: dreamers. Thank you for learning with us today on DreamSpeak. I'm Ricca. And I'm Thomas. And this is the podcast about dreams that teaches you a complete system to help you listen to your dreams and get the guidance they're providing you every day.
1: Today's episode is an in-depth exploration of the types of dreams we can have. Being able to tell the difference will help you on your dream interpretation journey. Welcome to a special episode of the DreamSpeak podcast. This episode is all about the different types of dreams that we and others have had over the years. There are so many kinds, like dreams of past lives, healing dreams, premonitions, visitations, and others. This episode couldn't possibly cover them all, but we will address most of the types of dreams that we're familiar with. If you've experienced other kinds of dreams, we would be eager to hear about them. Stay tuned until the end of the episode when we'll give the details of how you can connect with us. We hope you'll listen to this episode early in your dream interpretation journey because it will help you to avoid a lot of confusion and the resulting frustration that comes with it. Many kinds of dreams don't respond to interpretation in the same way as a message dream does. Also, the varieties of dreams that people have is just a fascinating topic for discussion. So let's get started.
0: Why don't we start with message dreams? Because those are the most common types of dreams that most people have.
1: Yeah, I think that's the right place to start. Also because really the mission of DreamSpeak is to help people work mainly with their message dreams. Right. I guess the biggest clue that you're having a message dream is that you remember a dream at all. Because for most people, the majority of the dreams they remember are going to be message dreams.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that stand out for you About message dreams. For me, it's always how funny
1: or scary they can be because there'll be just strange things in them. The things that we always call uncanny symbols show up mainly in message dreams.
0: Like really exaggerated sort of things. Things that are larger than life or smaller than life or stairs that are discontinuous. I seem to have those a lot. Just different symbols that we don't usually see. In waking life. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that
1: happens to you a lot in message dreams is you'll need to get between two places that seem ordinary, like inside of a building and off to another building. You have to walk outside. And then you go through this epic journey of getting there, (laughs) climbing through construction sites and over boulders and crawling under fences, just very non-ordinary kind of behavior. Things just are strange. Mm -hmm. And those things have symbolic meaning. That's a big giveaway that it's a message dream because there's Unusual things that are meant to get our attention. Mm-hmm. I think for me, also a sense that the people that show up in, in a message stream or the aspects of me that are in the dream often behave differently than I might expect somebody to. Like they might just be kind of standing there and they might not really say anything or interact with me like they would in waking life. And they're just kind of there to share their energy and get me thinking about their qualities. Mm-hmm. What else gives away that it's a message stream as opposed to something else?
0: I think things that maybe defy the laws of physics as we know them, like we may fly in our dreams.
1: Mm-hmm. You have lots of interesting, funny flying dreams because you can never get very high off the ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I practice that a lot of my dreams. <laughs>
1: so yeah, that's a, that's a giveaway to me. Mm-hmm. If we take off flying, maybe if we're going on an epic boat journey, but we're in a toy boat or it's something like that it's important to understand what message dreams are about. The reason we dream them is so that we get those inner communications from ourself. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the purpose of these dreams as opposed to the other dreams we're going to cover in today's episode.
0: Yeah, our soul is trying to get us a message.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's go right into the next type of dreams. So this is a really rich subject and for some people really like, whoa, you know, it's an eye opener or they just don't believe in it. It could be a lot of different reactions to it. But we have had direct experiences and lots of other people sharing with us about dreams of past lives and in some cases, even future lives.
0: Uh-huh. I have had a lot of past life dreams, or what I think of as past life dreams, or they seem to be past life dreams to me. And there's a lot of reasons why I think that. One of them is I've spoken other languages that I'm not familiar with in this life. I remember speaking French in a lot of dreams, Russian, Sanskrit, and unknown languages.
1: Maybe ancient languages. Maybe. Why don't you share some of the examples that you wanted to talk about of very distinct memories of past life dreams you've had?
0: Some of the dreams that I've had have actually been quite graphic. Gruesome. Yeah. And so they really stand out. You wake up and it's it's almost like a nightmare. It
1: reminds you of a nightmare. And yeah. we'll try to talk about how you drew the fine distinction that made you realize it wasn't a nightmare, which would be a message dream and why it was actually a past life dream. But yeah, let's talk about the first gruesome dream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so one of the most powerful ones I had, I I woke up remembering that I had been sacrificed as a young girl and I was in India I had a, a life in India. I'm not sure when it was. But after that, we we actually went to, to India.
1: Yeah, this dream took place while we were visiting India and obviously having a very intense cultural immersion experience. Mm-hmm. And we had um, relatives, so to speak, from our extended family because of a, a joint wedding joined together, American family members with Indian new family members. And so we were really being given a domestic experience. We were staying in people's homes. We were experiencing directly what life is like for them. There is no tour group, no barriers between us and the culture. And I think it really brought this out for you. And I think you even had expressed that you were receptive to having dreams of this nature, if you had had past lives in India or...
0: Yeah. I was asking, why am I so drawn to want to go to India and to be in India? What What, what is this connection that I have with India? Mm-hmm and i actually had a somewhat chronic illness for a couple of years before we went and right after that dream my illness disappeared
1: spontaneously Mm -hmm. we were still in india when it went away and it never came back Mm -hmm. and it really seemed to be tied to that karma that was unresolved that really awful death that you had experienced in that life
0: yeah. So that was also, besides being a past life dream, it was, it was a healing.
1: Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah. And we'll talk about healing dreams really soon. What other memories do you have of, of just more gruesome memories, gruesome <laughs> past life dreams.
0: Yeah. I had one. I was a male, a priest in, um, how do you. In Mesoamerica. Yes. In Mesoamerica. And this was centuries ago. Yeah. And I remembered being at the top of a, Pyramid performing a sacrificial ritual, taking out, pulling someone's heart out of their chest. With with shears. With my bare
1: hands. Yes, but there were shears. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. Yes, I remember you telling me. I've never forgotten. It really was gruesome. It was like It it would have been a plausible kind of tool that might have been involved in human sacrifice rituals. So it is really fascinating to think in one life, you were a victim of human sacrifice. In another life, you were a perpetrator of human sacrifice and those left you with deep marks on those experiences.
0: And after that dream, I I went on the internet and I researched to see, did this happen during that time period in that place? And that was something that was done by by priests.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you also heard while you were sleeping the name of the place. Do you remember?
0: Yeah. It was, I'm not sure how I pronounce it.
1: Teotihuacan.
0: Teotihuacan.
1: Yeah, Teotihuacan, which is a famous Mesoamerican site right outside of modern-day Mexico City. Mm-hmm.
0: So that that was another one.
1: I think the other one you wanted to share is not so gruesome.
0: No, no. I had, I, I had a dream. Like I said, I dreamt a lot in other languages, and this one kind of stood out because I was speaking Russian, and I was being married off to this man that I did not want to marry.
1: You didn't love him.
0: It, no, I didn't love him, but it was an arranged marriage between two families for political reasons, and it just stood out to me because because
1: of the language, I think, especially. Sure, yeah, and that was one of your big clues. So what are some other clues that you might be having a past life dream?
0: Well, I usually pay attention to my surroundings, and, you know, is this modern day? Is this in the past, or people getting around on horses or there's just things that are out of place in our modern day yeah and
1: the clothing could be cultural and generally the objects the places the clothing they all hang together as if they were from a certain time period mm-hmm. you won't have random things and you won't have the kind of uncanny and unrealistic symbols in yeah. a past life dream
0: they're, they're much more realistic mm. it's, it's like you're you're viewing an experience that that you had and it's it's very realistic
1: yeah looking at waking life but sometime in the past mm-hmm. yeah I think the next dream that comes up for people that we'd like to talk about a little bit is a variation on past life dreams which is sometimes people have talked to us about having future life dreams mm-hmm. and you have one experience with that that you still remember
0: yeah that doesn't happen very frequently for me but this one really stood out because it was the technology was all different and I was in some kind of a lab and there was some kind of tool or process for healing that that I brought back and, and so that really stood out, but I don't I don't remember what the tool was. But it stood out because I knew I had gone into the future to bring back something for
1: my current life's healing. One of the things to me that makes sense about that is, I think for a lot of people it would be hard to remember distinct details and things of that nature because at least in your experience, there's a sense that human society had moved on and that in that future there was more wisdom. And so for that reason, it would be harder for us in our paradigm to comprehend what was going on around you. You went there with willpower and intent to do something but that doesn't mean that you're just going to easily comprehend everything that's going on in that future environment. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why you don't really remember the tool because it was probably just too complex. Technology always moves forward. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk for a minute, just about the nature of time in our culture, the way that we perceive time and why that is important. So people have varying beliefs about time and how it works. And various cultures throughout history up to today have viewed time as a cycle, believing time to be circular. Most people in our culture seem to think of time as being linear. I'm kind of agnostic about that. I I do feel like it's a lot more complicated than just a simple story about linear time flowing forward. Some individuals believe that time is made up of an all moment, that past, present, and future are happening at once.
0: That's kind of what I believe.
1: Okay. Do you want to say Uh more about that?
0: Well, I I believe that, but it's difficult to explain that, even to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I believe intellectually that that's true, but it's hard to comprehend, really.
1: Yeah. And, you know, actually, I know that I believe in a more complex vision of time than just a linear forward flow. And for me, I'm just realizing that's because I've had so many premonitions in my waking life. I typically don't get my premonitions when I'm dreaming. But I have had a lot of minor and some more major premonitions while I'm awake. That's true. Yeah. I have. So theories of this kind can be helpful for people to understand how it's possible that we could dream about events before our birth or things that might happen in the future. It's just, you know, it's all up to us to have our own direct experiences and decide what it is that we believe about time. <laughs> so the next kind of dream that we want to bring to you today is called a healing dream. At least that's what we call it. So the most important thing to understand is these dreams are different than message dreams in that we have experienced them and seen a lot of people experiencing them and they are actually for our healing. So healing will be taking place at the time that we're having the dream. The healing experiences is actually happening. It's not symbolic. You have had a lot of experiences with this. Rika, what would you like to share about healing dreams?
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes I ask for a healing dream, or I will try and incubate a a healing dream if I have a specific issue that I know needs healing or that I want healed.
1: Yeah, you can do that, which is really cool. We should probably recap what incubating a dream is. It's such an important concept, and it's pretty easy to do, actually, once you give it a try. So what is incubating a dream?
0: Well, for me, when I go to bed, I will make a specific intention to have just a general dream that I would remember or something specific that I want to understand or get more clarity on or get more information on. So it's, it's really about making your intention to have a dream, remember it and maybe get some information that you're looking for.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like an ability that seems like everyone has, and you just set an intention any time of the day if I want to recall a dream and my only intention really is just to say I would really like to focus on my dreams tonight and I'd like to remember a dream in the morning I'll do that right before I turn out the light but if it's something that I'm inquiring about within myself or something that I'd like to heal or that I'd like to address I might talk to myself about that any time of the day I might set that intention anytime whenever I'm feeling inspired to set it. And one of the dream videos that we have on our YouTube channel is about this exact thing. It's about remembering your dreams, but it has an entire section about incubating your dreams and how you set quality intentions to get the results that you want when you're working with your dreams. Mm
0: -hmm. So I've had dreams where I've gone to specific places of healing.
1: I think I remember you going to some temple-like environments, kind of like Mm -hmm. ancient Greek, Roman... Egypt. Oh, Egyptian temples. Mm -hmm.
0: Which I'm pretty sure I've had lives there where I did healing work. Mm. And so maybe that was easier for me to access. I I remember going to places that had crystals, like crystal beds, different colors of crystals for healing, laying on those beds, being healed, sound healing temples, different things that are probably from other lives.
1: Things you may have experienced in the past. So is your perception that when we have these healing dreams that have healing places in them, that we're going to an actual place? Or is it more that we're building an environment that facilitates our healing? I'm really not sure. Me too. (laughs) No idea, but it is amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I kind of feel like I'm going to a specific place, but I don't know.
1: I kind of feel like I'm building it. But one of the topics we haven't delved into that much in DreamSpeak yet and we don't have any specific videos or podcasts about is I will commonly have small experience in my dreams where over the years I've realized that it fits my concept of what I think grace is. I feel that the universe is imparting energy to me for my benefit and expecting nothing in return, right? And so that's kind of what I mean when I use the term grace and that can come into play, you know?
0: Yeah, I've had those That happened too. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's beautiful. It is. It's amazing. And it really, in those situations, I think some people use the term spontaneous healing. Mm -hmm. And I think also sometimes people might just live out a spontaneous healing while they're awake, not realizing they may have had some healing dreams or been working on that for a period of time Mm -hmm. in their sleep. So what we've just been talking about reminds me of the same video again, because we have an entire section early in that video that's about sleep hygiene and how you can improve that for more healing and restorative sleep Mm -hmm. and for dreaming
0: one of the things i wanted to say about healing dreams is or an indication that i'm having a dream about healing or maybe bringing my attention to something that needs healing and that's when there's a presence of maybe a doctor or a hospital i'm going to the hospital and then i start to wake up i'm like oh my gosh what what is it that i need to pay attention to or maybe i'm given specific information in the dream about what i need to pay attention to
1: yeah exactly and uh what is really interesting or perhaps we could say important to understand as you're learning to interpret dreams is that that information would be coming to you in a message stream when we see symbolic doctors or we're in a symbolic hospital that is a message stream. And it will absolutely allow us to access more insight about things that we might need to heal. But when you're in an actual healing space, there are subtle indications that it is different. And other than that, you might still be in a hospital. That's what makes it so tricky sometimes. You might still have doctors around you. Sometimes you have to rely on the emotional information that you're getting. If it feels objective, and it feels like you know, you're in a setting where there might be a lot of other clues that it's a message dream, it probably is. And you can still get information about your healing in that kind of dream. But if you're in a hospital that's flooded with sunlight, and it feels like you've got three doctors around you that all are just pouring healing into you, it's not a message dream, right? You just have to find that kind of vibration or feedback that allows you to make that distinction because it can be a tricky one to make sometimes. So that was a really insightful conversation into healing dreams. And there's so much more you can say about that too. I bet a lot of our listeners have had healing dreams and dreams that they remember and then experienced spontaneous healings when they've woken up. It'd be very interesting to hear some things in the comments about that. So what's the next kind of dream that we wanted to share about
0: today? Visitation dreams. Oh, this is one of my favorites. (laughs) Yes, I've had several. And one that I wanted to talk about, like I I dream about my grandmother quite a bit, an important person in my life. She died in 2014, and she was 102 when she passed. So she had a good long life, and she died in her sleep, which is what I would want for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) And shortly before her death, she came to me in a dream. And she asked me for help in in crossing over. And I really, when I woke up, I thought she had died. I called my mom. I was like, how's grandma doing? And she said, she's fine. (laughs) And I thought it meant that she had actually crossed over. But two weeks later, she actually did. And she was just seeking some guidance and and what to do. Do you Mm -hmm. remember what happened in that dream? Well, I do. I remember we were in her living room, the house that my grandfather had built.
1: Which is not where she was living anymore.
0: No, no. She was in an assisted living facility at the time. But we were there, and we were by the mantle, which my grandfather had built and carved a beautiful wood mantle. but everything turned white. And I was just trying to show her how to go to the light. And it it was really beautiful.
1: Yeah, it creates a very special bond with someone.
0: Uh Mm-hmm. And before the last, I don't know, maybe year or two, she had been asking us for some guidance because she had unusual experiences. Like she would hear singing or she wasn't sure what it was that the experiences that she was having. And we tried to help her understand that it was just her her angels, her guides who were helping her, preparing her for going home, so to speak. And so she had been getting ready, I think, for quite a while. She wasn't really clear on why she was still alive.
1: <laughs> you know, I think your dream practice really allowed you to be a very active and helpful participant in your grandmother's dying process. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I-, I felt really blessed to be able to help her with that and your grandfather got on in on the act as well, <laughs> well actually the dream the visitation I had for my grandfather was quite a ways before that but he came to me in a dream and he told me he was preparing a place for my grandmother and because he had died 30 years before she did mm-hmm. but when you look at time that maybe that's just a blink of an eye I don't know but yeah so he came to me and and that was very comforting.
1: Yeah. That was beautiful. I remember that.
0: And I think visitation dreams can be very comforting because...
1: I think that's the times... purpose of them a lot of times yeah. is to give the living comfort.
0: hmm Yeah. So, even though this visitation for my grandmother, she was still alive, but I think a lot of people have visitation dreams with people who have passed, relatives who have passed, lo- loves, friends, just people they knew in the past. And because... We, we just want to know that they're okay.
1: Yeah, and they want us to know that they're okay as well. And another purpose of these visitations that I've observed is that the visitors can want to resolve something if they still feel like there is really something important of true value that they feel that they left unfinished, that they feel that they might have an opportunity to resolve with someone else's help they might come and visit somebody to try to accomplish that. And I had something kind of like that happen with my grandfather. In the wake of his death, I was grieving a lot because my grandfather is probably the best human being that I've ever known. He's the most peaceful, placid, kind, and selfless person that I've ever met. He was a wonderful influence on me as a young child, and we were very close. When I was at his funeral, The only possession of his that I took home with me was this old leather belt, and it just reminded me of him. And I started wearing it on occasion. And I remember we were on a camping trip. I had worn the belt on the trip, and we were ready to start packing up the morning that we were going to leave. We had a campfire going for breakfast. We were kind of thinking of starting to put that out. And my grandfather visited me, even though I was awake, He was clearly present with me, and he was guiding me to throw his belt into the fire. For a few minutes, I was really dismayed. I did not understand why this person who I loved so much would want me to destroy this. But what I realized is he was telling me that he was still a part of my life and a part of my story and that he would never truly depart from me. And he didn't want me to get stuck on the idea that the only way I was gonna remember him was with his belt. (laughs) And uh, that was really touching to me. And I did follow through on that ritual and I don't have the belt anymore, but I still have my grandfather. Even though it's not talked about that often, I think a lot of people have this. I think it's actually quite a normal experience. Then I think for a lot of people, these visitations are tied to around the time that someone passes. Maybe a little before, maybe a little bit after. I think for a lot of people, it might be more after because it's part of the grieving process to kind of get that reassurance, Mm -hmm. you know? I really don't think it's uncommon, though. I think a lot of people can relate to this.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's, there's other ways to access that. I mean, people go to mediums to have them help.
1: Help bring forth the relative or the person who's crossed over.
0: Right. So there are ways to access this through different states of consciousness and dreaming is, is just one way.
1: That is a beautiful way of saying it. That's the common thread between a psychedelic therapy context, between working with a medium, between being asleep, is that it's different states of consciousness or what we might call non-ordinary states of consciousness that we have to use to be able to get into relationship with these people who have crossed over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. So, what's the next kind of dream that we wanted to cover? Prophetic dreams. Prophetic dreams. You could call them premonitions, but we have definitely had them happen to us a lot of times. And I already mentioned earlier in the podcast, I oftentimes have my premonitions when I'm awake. But it is something that's become quite normal for me. I will have a whole handful of them every year. Uh, I'll know small things or big things that are going to happen usually shortly before they do. But sometimes if it's something more important, it could be months and months before it finally shows up. I don't feel particularly moved to share those. They're feeling a little bit personal right at the moment, but I thought I might just share one or two things. Do you have
0: anything you're going to share on this? Well, I one that I remember, I'll just share one, and that was a few, quite a few years ago, and I told you about my dream because usually we talk about our dreams every day, and it was about a cruise ship that had, I think in my dream, it had run, run aground or it had... It was going through a channel and it had capsized yeah and and then you said well that just happened like a couple of days ago but that's why right. I, I hadn't heard about it
1: yeah but, the coast of Concordia
0: yeah and I you know I saw this in my dream and had no idea that had actually happened
1: yeah so, how do you explain that why well, do you think you would dream about that not knowing any passengers or anything like that
0: I don't know do you have any, <laughs> any ideas <laughs>
1: i do yeah i really truly think that we're all connected on a deeper level and some people think of that as a soul connection and some people don't but deep in my heart i'm sure of it and i've had so much evidence of that connection and i think at our base we are all empathic human beings really feel for other people going through difficulties and i think you just kind of tuned into that there had been a loss of life it was extremely tragic and i think that you were feeling that you were just feeling my heart goes out to this situation
0: yeah you know i have heard of a, from several people that they had premonitions about 911
1: oh yeah i've talked to people about dream-based premonitions of 911 before mm-hmm.
0: yep yeah and you're right we are all connected so i shouldn't have said i don't really know because,
1: because you do actually know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes we all we all are connected
1: well, that's, what's great about these conversations mm-hmm. is that they help people remember those real core issues around dreaming mm-hmm. and kind of what it's all about. And so it's interesting too, that I had mentioned that these memories of prophetic experiences, which are really common for me, feel closely held and sort of personal because I have also talked to people over the years about their premonitions many of which they've told me they had while they were awake, although some while dreaming and I've noticed for people, this can be like core life experience stuff. Sometimes they hold on to these memories for decades and it's like a deep thing. If you get into a deep conversation with somebody, that's when they might bring forward what they consider to be a very precious memory because the implications of having that kind of dream are really big. It helps you to open to the possibility that the universe might be a benevolent place. That There might be rhyme and reason to the things around us that seem so chaotic, that there could be a bigger purpose that we fit into. And so I think people protect those things. And that's kind of what I was feeling. But there is one in particular I thought might be cool to throw out there and I feel comfortable sharing, which is that I had what would absolutely qualify as a big dream. We also have a video on our YouTube channel about big dreams. They're essentially dreams that are guidestones or markers for years of our life. They'll talk to us about core issues that we're working on and things that are really to our deep benefit in our personal growth to work on. And they're really cool. So please do check out that video. This big dream was so compelling to me and I even titled it, I give it a name and I will never forget that. It's called the pancake game because what had basically happened was our entire economy collapsed and it felt like an apocalyptic event. And all of the people that we loved were all that mattered then and everybody just traveled by whatever means they could to get together with family and with friends and just be close and it was so interesting because the people the aspects in that dream were not the people i would have expected some were my immediate family but some weren't and they were just friends that i hadn't seen in 20 years and just people that bring me joy and all we were doing was playing a game where we had set up two propane burners and we were trying to race to see who could make a stack of pancakes the (laughs) fastest. (laughs) That was what I wanted to do after the apocalypse was (laughs) race to make a stack of pancakes. So that's why I called it the pancake game. But there's this whole other part to the narrative where a woman in the aftermath of this, you know, collapse of everything that we know as normalcy in this country, who was an African-American woman. She had a very elaborate and beautiful hairstyle. And it caused this tremendous controversy in society because she was essentially being elevated as a political leader. It's like she was kind of the, the moral leader of the movement that was going to rise from the ashes. And for some people, her hair brought out distinct feelings of outrage or controversy or whatever. And then for others, it was like a, a, you know a clarion call to justice. And I can't really explain that, but dreams have those uncanny symbols. There's a lot more to the story, but what I realized is many of the symbols from that dream, which was a message dream, were also prophetic. And it was letting me know that in 2020, our world was going to get very topsy turvy, and that was the pandemic lockdowns. The energy that that dream held and the things that it was trying to talk to me about were about preparing me for a disruption to our life that was that huge. And so that was part of it. That was part of why I had that dream, because I made a lot of life choices since that dream back in 2011 or whenever that was to 2020 that set me up at least psychologically and in terms of my heart set to be much more prepared for that time of intense disruption. And some of the social changes and and controversies that we saw under the pandemic lockdown were reminiscent of what was happening around this African-American woman, definitely clear references to the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of things that happened in 2020. So it was all very interesting. Yeah, that was one of your biggest dreams. It definitely was, yeah.
0: And I remember we were camping in the wilderness. I think that was our first wilderness camping experience when you had that dream. So sometimes you have to get in a place where you're really open and receptive to something like that. Absolutely. And have some really powerful dreams. Yeah. I did want to say another thing about prophetic dreams that I remember in our dream group that we used to have when we lived in Dallas for several years, we had a meetup group. And I remember a woman came and she had a lot of prophetic dreams, but they were very disturbing because they were of things that were going to happen to people. Bad things. Bad not things. not positive. Things. Like accidents or illness or death or disease and she wanted to know what she could do about that if anything. Mm-hmm. And so prophetic dreams aren't always, they don't always feel positive.
1: They're not always positive. But we do really subscribe to a philosophy at DreamSpeak that our dream experiences, even if they're nightmares. And our waking experiences, even if they're are challenges, are ultimately for our learning, that they're promoting our growth. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, never letting ourselves be jaded or be blase about a loss of life or a limb, but understanding that it seems like the way that the world works, that there is actually a purpose to these experiences and that they do help us to expand and become more wise and to know more if we take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. So let's change gears a little bit and let's talk about a type of dream that we call practice dreams.
0: Oh gosh. I have a lot of those. (laughs) You really
1: do. I don't remember mine very often. I'm sure I'm having them, but you remember them all the time. All the time. You don't really like their repetitive
0: nature either. Actually, they're pretty annoying. I find them annoying because I, I will wake up multiple times and it seems like I'm in a loop, like I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And, and, and maybe that's for my good that I'm trying to learn something. But sometimes it's about maybe a conversation that I need to have. Like, I'll I'll practice. What am I going to say to this person, this conversation that I need to have? or To really get your thoughts across. Yeah. Like
1: if it's going to be a difficult conversation, but you shouldn't avoid it.
0: So that's one type of practice dream. There's also, I might, being a pianist, I might be practicing music. Or playing the piano. You've done
1: playing the piano so many times (laughs) in your practice streams. You really have.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. They just feel, they feel kind of annoying because it seems like they wake me up a lot and they're kind of boring. (laughs)
1: Well, what's your relationship to practice and waking life? It's kind of boring sometimes, right? Sometimes it is. I think so too. Yeah. And it's certainly repetitive, right? yeah and we work on those same things from a different angle when we're asleep and we're quite sure at this point that they're not meant to be interpreted like messages you're learning something right and so you still have some control and some autonomy here right so tell our listeners how you handle it when it just gets to be too repetitive and annoying what do you do
0: i just say to my soul that's enough and i'm done practicing for the night and don't wake me up anymore
1: and it works yeah. most of the time.
0: Most of the time, yeah. yeah. I, I, when I zone yeah. enough, I will realize, oh, I do have control over this. And I just asked to not practice anymore that night.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny, I'm gonna throw a curveball in here before we get to our next type of dream. I forgot to add one to the list that I've had, which is essentially a psychic attack dream. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. another thing that is way woo woo, but we really believe because of personal experience which is there are non-physical entities in this universe in our sense of physical i don't know what their whole life cycle is all about i'm sure that they're pursuing learning and their own best interests just like we are but we've had enough experiences to really believe that there are non-physical entities that play a part in the universe around us and in our world and i mean i guess you could go a certain extent to explaining that by saying that we're sure about these visitations right? Mm -hmm. These people are no longer in a physical body, but they still have something to contribute, something to communicate, and they're able to do that, right? But there's a lot of other non-physical entities that I have not much experience with. I don't have a particular fascination point around that. It's not something I felt like really reading books about or trying to, you know, increase my knowledge of or do more meditation practices around trying to connect with non-physical entities. I know that's super fascinating for some people, some people are really big on that, right? Trying to work with what they call ETs or whatever. But I have had an experience which put into my mind a clear understanding. Non-physical entities can approach us in a dream and potentially even harm us. I don't know if I believe it can really be harm, but it can be frightening. It could be agitating. And what happened to me was as a school teacher, every year there's going to be a distinct experience Of some family that you just really make irate. Oftentimes you do not mean to do it. It could be issues that they're dealing with, but they are going to get furious about something. It's going to happen once a year. It's just a guarantee. And this one particular school year, I remember a parent was really upset with me about something that was religious in orientation. I still don't understand exactly why, but was bringing a lot of rage in the form of saying, This is my religious worldview and you must not. Transgress this. You know, this is what I'm imparting to my child, and you must not alter their mindset the least little bit. This is essential to my family. This shall not pass, right? That kind of thing. And that night, I was psychically attacked, and it was the most fascinating thing. I don't think I would have perceived it at all if it weren't for our years of intensive dream practice, because I was probably in a message dream. I was just in an indoor environment. Things seemed like a message dream. But what I remember is, The vibration got very low and dark. And then the space time continuum that I was in was being warped. I was doing something in my sleep state and there was something else bringing its will to bear and trying to kind of twist my mind and my thoughts. And it had no resemblance to any other kind of dream I've ever had before. And I actually was able to call on inner resources within myself and have the presence of mind to realize that I had willpower an agency in that situation and drive that presence away, whatever it was by asking for help. And by being conscious and present in that moment, I was able to subdue that force and get it away from me. But I am grateful to say, I don't have memories of anything else like that ever happening. And I hope it doesn't ever happen again, but it was clearly connected to the woman's just unmitigated rage towards me mm-hmm. the day before, because that was the night. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was very strange. Yeah. yeah. So that's a type of dream too, I guess.
0: Yeah, and you just reminded me. I've had several of those types of dreams, actually, of being attacked or trying to be pulled out of my my body or my kind
1: of taken somewhere against your will. Yeah, while dreaming. Exactly, and I think that's part of what makes people think that they're being abducted, so to speak. Sometimes, I don't know what it is. But it's, you know, it's an experience that seems real. Yeah, and it can
0: be kind of scary. It can be but very scary. I realize now that I, like you said, I do have agency and I can say no.
1: Yeah, I'm not going I, to participate in this. Yeah,
0: or I can call on my inner resources. And I remember one time when we were camping and I was trying to be pulled out and shown something, but I was afraid. And so I said no. But then I thought After I woke up, maybe I should have let him take me (laughs) and see where we were going. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, it was in Utah.
1: You were very curious. Yeah. So I guess at this point, we should get to a dream style that a lot of people are curious about and you have some experience with. My experience with it is limited.
0: Yeah, lucid dreaming. I remember I read a book. It was, what was that book? Exploring the World of Lucid Dreaming by Stephen LaBron. LaBerge and Howard Rengold. And when I was reading that book, it it helped me to become a better lucid dreamer. And I started to have more lucid dreams because it it gave a lot of tips and techniques that you could use. But it was really fascinating. Usually, I would lucid dream when I would be napping during the day, um, hardly ever at night. And They were always a lot of fun. (laughs) Like I I seem to have a lot of fun in in my lucid dreams because I was being taught how to, I think, control my astral body or like giving me a sense of control over part of myself that that we're usually not so aware of or astral.
1: What's an astral body?
0: It's the, well, we have a a lot of different
1: kind of layers to our being and we don't dream with our physical body no we dream with some other part of ourselves
0: well a lot of people think that the astral body we we can travel you know people who have out-of-body experiences they travel in their astral body and you can project your astral body elsewhere
1: and it was like you had repetitive interactions with teachers Mm -hmm. in a very aware state but you were asleep usually during the day and they were very joyously trying to teach you some things about how to control this more spiritual side of yourself, or how would you describe what they were trying to accomplish with you?
0: They, they were just trying to teach me how, that my, how my thoughts controlled the world around me.
1: Yeah, your life experience. Yeah. Like how much better your life could be with better thought control.
0: Yeah, and that one really stands out. They were, whoever they were, my teachers, were saying you can have certain thoughts and they will create storms in your life. And it actually showed up as, as like a thunderstorm, you know?
1: Yeah, your environment had weather that you were changing with your thoughts. Yeah. This was like the teaching environment that they had chosen to help you get into.
0: Yeah, and then if I thought differently... I could go out in the sunshine and a beautiful day. So they were showing me how how my thoughts could control that. And it really um, translates into so many things in life.
1: Yes, it does. (laughs) And it really was fascinating because this was clearly a lucid dreaming experience because of your level of awareness, but it was also a practice dream. But it was a facilitated practice dream. They were trying to help you to literally practice skills that were non-physical skills, Mm -hmm. things to do with your willpower, with your thoughts.
0: Yeah. It really showed me how much my thoughts manifest my experience in life. And you
1: never saw these teacher presences?
0: No, they were always just sort of behind me. I never really see them. One thing- They laughed a lot they did
1: they were very upbeat and super joyful
0: yeah it was sort of like i I felt like a child like just learning for the joy of it (laughs) what what i could do and it was it was a lot of fun and
1: never felt scary it was the opposite yeah they were very uplifting lucid dreams
0: yeah and 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 in a lot of them i was practicing flying trying to get off the ground (laughs) to see how high I could fly. I, I have a lot of flying dreams like that, where I practice flying, and sometimes I can't get up very high, and sometimes I get up very high in the air. And one thing I remember about those dreams is that usually I would have my body would be paralyzed like I would wake up and I couldn't move my body at all.
1: For like a few seconds or a few minutes or?
0: Just for a short time after I'd wake up. So I think there there's something about, I don't know if that, I don't think that happens all the time when we're asleep or dreaming.
1: I'm not really sure. Well, you know, in terms of sleep labs, that's something that they can actually observe. So there is good science to show that people do go into a state of sleep paralysis because otherwise we'd start sleepwalking.
0: Right. And- yeah, you're right. And and I did. But you were aware of your sleep, paralysis. Of sleep yeah. paralysis.
1: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I really think that that shows this different levels of consciousness because it was kind of like because of your increased lucidity, when you settled back down to the physical level, you were also more aware of that transition. Mm-hmm. And so then you're like, well, I can't just freely move around because I'm not all the way back. For those that want to try it, probably the classic things to do are try and develop a habit all through your day of asking yourself what time is it what time is it what time is it look at every clock in your environment just keep looking at them because then when you're asleep you will look and see if you have a wristwatch or you'll look for a clock in the room that you're in and it will never be normal so that's a big tip off that can lead to lucidity or you can simply ask yourself am i dreaming am i dreaming am i dreaming am i dreaming (laughs) and then you'll ask that when you're asleep this works for a lot of people apparently So the last thing that I want to do is just throw a little tidbit out there for you. A lot of people, if not everybody, has had a dream where they feel suddenly like they're falling and they're surprised by the feeling and then they wake up. So what is that kind of dream? Well, essentially, it's just a commonly experienced dream that we experience when we are suddenly returning to waking consciousness. So after being in one of these varied states, we return to our physical body, and if it feels like the transition is sudden, then our mind may interpret that as falling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that feeling of transition—we're not falling, and nothing bad is going to happen. But it's the way that we kind of map that into our world. Our, it's like
0: when our astral body comes into our physical body, mm-hmm. and yeah, it can feel like falling.
1: Exactly. So this has been a wonderful opportunity to have a conversation about the varied landscape of dreaming. And there are so many different sides to it and we hope that it's helped you as listeners to understand that when you're looking to have a great relationship with your dreams there's so many different kinds of experiences you're going to have and all of them have value but when it comes to taking day-to-day guidance from your dreams these dreams that we've talked about over the course of this podcast they can't be interpreted like a message dream it's message dreams that are meant for the purpose of giving us that guidance So it's important that we can make distinctions between the different kinds of dream states that we might be in. To conclude today's special episode about the types of dreams, I'd just like to share that Ricka and I think it's really important to respect the fact that the human mind has the ability to reason and that thinking things through and making careful judgments is something that is to be respected and to be appreciated We haven't come to these spiritualized conclusions about dreaming quickly, and we haven't come to them through a process that's random. We've come to these conclusions after years of careful study, thought, and personal experience. It's crucial for our listeners to understand that in our philosophy of dreaming, there is room for doubt. Personal experience should guide everything that defines your journey with dreams, and Learning from scientific sources is not a bad thing. There's a great deal that you can learn about dreaming from scientific sources. It's just that in this day and age, they haven't really figured out anything about the symbolic meanings of dreams. There's been some interesting controlled studies, but not much is known. They know a lot more about neurology of dreaming and things of that nature. It's great information to have. We welcome and embrace dreams every kind of inquiry that is well anchored in reason. However, there is a spirit in our relationship with dreams as human beings that defies reason, that really challenges reason. And we recognize that. We have not lost our way in a world of irrationality. We know that there is no way to prove that some of these things are true. That's for sure. Some of these things are not confirmable through research. And this is an important moment to pause and share with you as our listeners that there is such a thing as inner knowing. And it's really the only way that we've ever found to truly grasp and understand things that you might describe as non-rational. It's not that you can't try and reason about them, but it's just going to lead you in circles you're not going to wind up understanding everything on a rational level. With people that I've talked to over the years, whether it's an experience of a visitation or an experience of a premonition or just a very profound dream, whatever it might be, these experiences can define people's lives. And the common link that I've found between those experiences is that the person knows deep within their heart that there is a seed of truth to what happened to them whether it's a near-death experience, anything else, they know the reality of what that supernormal experience was. But the darndest thing is you cannot prove that. There's no way to explain it to another person adequately. And that's really the beauty of the universe, you know, that we've appreciated at DreamSpeak through our dream practice is that there are things that are meant just and only for us. We can talk about them in a supportive way and try to help people appreciate their own unique life experience when it comes to these topics. But we fully respect that many listeners may never identify with these experiences and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But we also know that a lot of listeners will because they've already had their own direct experiences with these things and they've taken the time to process them and they know these things to have value. They know that these things are wholesome in their lives. And they know that they've led to greater opening greater wisdom and greater understanding and that's all you can do it's an experience that is just for you as the individual well said thomas thanks for learning with us today on dream speak and we hope that you will tune in for the next episode
0: you can find this podcast on all popular streaming services Connect with DreamSpeak for even more learning. Our socials are in the description. Check out our YouTube channel for a free introductory dream course. Our theme music was composed by me, Rika. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. If you have concerns about your well-being, talk to your doctor or a mental health professional.